the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Dying over here. Sound like you're a recovering smoker. I'm dying. This is this is the post exam <laughs> letdown, folks. Y'all remember what that was like? I mean, it, I, you know, I haven't been in school since, well, <laughs> late eighties. Let's put it that way. Uh, I mean, I've been to school, but it's not like this. But anyway, do you do? Does anybody remember the the exam letdown? I can faintly remember just feeling like, man. My feet aren't even touching the ground. I'm headed to the woods or headed to the water. One of the two. <laughs> Pretty much. Lucky for me, I didn't. I didn't go as far as skipping exams. Um, really? No, hey. I didn't skip exams. You skip a lot of things. You can't. You can't skip a final exam, Taylor. My goodness. You know, I made it through my first semester of senior year without skipping class once. Imagine that. How did I let that happen? I don't know. I've asked you to let me do it, but you've been like, nope, you go to class. Class is important. Yeah, well, guess what else is important? <laughs> me in the freezer. <laughs> Springtime's coming. Yeah. We've, we've got a, we've got a, a statewide fishing challenge to do, too. Oh, so I can go to school for that? Yeah. It's good. Yeah. I don't know where we're going to fish this time. Do we want to start off on Sandy again, or do we want to go down to, I don't know. I don't know where else will we start. I don't know. I want. I want a rematch with Santee. You do? Okay. I mean, we, San, all, we all know I'm going to meet you. We did. Murray we did Santee, Murray, and no, Hartwell last we year. We did. Well, you talking about in order? No, no. I'm I was just saying say, we didn't. Yeah, do that. No, it was. It was Hartwell, Hartwell Santee, uh-huh. Murray. Hartwell, no, Hartwell, Murray. Hartwell. We started off at Murray. Oh, and we did Santee, Santee and then, and then we, we came Hartwell. back to Hartwell. Uh, okay. Joe Cassie this time. Yeah. Jocassie, we go all the way from Jocassie, all the way Santee, yep. and then Murray. Well, I can beat you again. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Hey. Tom, <laughs> hey. <laughs> no laughing. <laughs> Anyways, yes, I may sound a little different today. I, yeah. She might be a little quieter, too. I had exams this weekend and just, like, hit me like Wearing you truck. out. Wearing you out. And even then, we don't, we don't really have much. We have a really well, cool guest coming on. Yeah, we do. Though. Michael Hodges from the Department of Natural Resources is coming. He is uh, he's a biologist with the with the department and is uh, going to talk to us about oysters. It is the oyster eating season, mm-hmm. uh, and we we all like some oysters. Um, but you know, it's oysters are not just a an R month thing. There's a there are programs that. You know, restock oyster beds and and make new oyster beds, and he's going to tell us all about that. A couple of websites to go to if you want to find out more information and and how to get involved. And uh, so he's going to be with us in the next segment, probably the next one after that, knowing how we talk. Um, but he's going to be good to get information. Do we have? We don't really don't have a calendar. 
Mm-mm. We have a preview. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go ahead and give us a preview, and then I've got some fun stuff here. Okay. Um, Arrowwood Baptist Church in Chesney is putting on a men's ministry um, like event, and they're going to have a guest speaker, which happens to be our very own Ot Defoe. Ot. Man, I can miss seeing that guy. But it's going to be January 14th at 6.30. You can call the church or you go to their website to enter. Um, and try and get a ticket. There are prizes and free food and all that fun stuff. So. You want a surprise? Me a surprise? Yeah, do you want a surprise with that? Just tell me. I'm, uh, it's probably going to be on the show next week. Really? Yeah. Oh. I got that. I talked to Andy about it the other day, Andy Montgomery, and he hadn't he hadn't talked to Ott, but, you know, figure out his plans and all that, but I'd like to get Ott on. He's never been on the show. He hasn't? He has not. Wow. So we've been emailing back and forth, trying to work out some times and all to, to for next week to try to get him on. Because if we wait, you know, Christmas Day is the twenty fifth is a show day, and January the first is a show day. And he, I'm sorry, I know we have some dedicated listeners out there, but it's okay to take off Christmas Day and New Year's Day if you want to watch football, go outside, <laughs> or something like that. When I'm not going to get my feelings hurt. No. Um, so, but but then if you wait until like the seventh. Or the eighth. That's only a week. That's not enough time for the church to be prepared. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about doing him coming on next Saturday. We're gonna have the guys from the Stripe Bass Challenge coming on. Mm-hmm. You know they've got a winter classic coming up on Lake Hartwell, and they've actually got a tournament trail this year, or in 2022. So those guys are gonna be on, and I'm, I'm, I'm I got room for Ott. I'm gonna um, try to get home on, and I may get Andy to come on, and then all three of us can gang up and beat up on Ann Montgomery. Oh, I thought you were <laughs> beat up on me. No, 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 like, no, 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 no. Not this time? Well, I don't know. Ott, now, Ott and Andy and I and Ott's wife sat in a little seafood restaurant and you follow Alabama and talked about you a lot. Ott's got one like you. One. He's got one like you. So who knows? He may spend some of his original time beating up on y'all by himself. No. Then when Andy comes on, we can all three beat up no. on you. <laughs> but yeah, so looking at like I said, I was trying to trying to find an open time next week to get him on. Hopefully it'll happen. Um, if not, that'll be a good one to go to. I'm gonna try to go. I got some. It, this week is always a fun week. Because all the show teams come out with their schedules in on one day. And if you're a runway junkie I was like say, me, you are such a runway junkie. If you're a runway junkie like me, you just your mouth starts watering. You're like, oh yes, uh, <laughs> to see if they're going to come close enough to go see them, or maybe we just go somewhere and see them anyway. But anyway, so the the, the aerobatic show teams have all published their schedules for this year. Starting off with the Air Force Thunderbirds, they're going to be at Shaw Air Force Base April the second and third. Uh, that's really the only South Carolina appearance they've got. Mm, yeah. They really don't come anywhere close after that. Florida. Sanford, Florida. So, yeah, April 2nd through the 3rd at Shaw Air Force Base. That's the U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds. The Blue Angels are actually going to be in South Carolina, too, um, at Marine Corps Air Station Beaufort, April 22nd through the 23rd. And then they're going to be in Georgia. Where's the Georgia show? Oh, wait a minute. Maybe I was mistaken. Pensacola, Florida. I thought they were going to be in Georgia at the Georgia. Well, 
Key West, Fort Lauderdale. Oh, Seymour Johnson, North Carolina. Okay. They're going to be up there May 20th, 21st. So that's it. Okay. And then the F-35 Lightning II demo team. Uh, I didn't look over this one all the way. So they're not going to be anywhere close. Sorry. You can go to Texas, Arizona, Texas, Texas, New Mexico, California, Oregon, Utah, Michigan, Nevada, California. Yeah, they're not coming any close. Oshkosh. You got Oshkosh, July 25th through the 31st. You can see the F-35 Lightning thing. The F-16, uh, the F the East Coast Viper demo, or the F... No, this is the F-22 Raptor show schedule. I'm sorry. Um, uh, Seymour Johnson, April 30th to May 1st. That's in North Carolina. And that's as close as they get. MacDill Air Force Base in Florida. Shucks. I have to go somewhere to see them. Elmendorf Richardson, Alaska, Taylor, July 30th through 31st. Let's go. Go see him over there. Let's go. Uh, the, A-10, the A-10C Thunderbolt 2, commonly referred to as the Warthog, their show season is out. Um, let's see. Georgia. The Vidalia, Georgia. They're going to be down there. God, friend, I can't even read the dates. Florida. I knew I should have turned this portrait instead of land, uh, landscape instead of portrait. And they're going to be in Peachtree City, Georgia in November. So, pretty close. Uh, uh, save the best for last. The uh, F-16 Viper demo team based down there at Shaw Air Force Base. They're going to be at Shaw, of course, April 2nd through the 3rd. Charleston Air Force Base, April the 8th through the 10th. And I thought they had a Georgia show here. So... <laughs> But they will, no, they're not going to be at Oshkosh either. Wow. Anyway, always fun. Always, you know, kick the tires and light the fires, baby. All right, y'all hang on. (laughs) Back on the other side to break. More Woods and Water, South Carolina. And welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. How are you, Squeaky? I'm I'm doing great. You're doing great. I'm okay. Doing great. Okay. You look you look fine. Fine. Yeah, fine. Thanks, yeah. Thanks, I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> it, it's not holy water, but it, it's water nonetheless. And we got a lot of it here in South Carolina. A lot of fresh water, a lot of salt water, and it's uh, it, there's there's always something new. There's always something out there that's new or something we haven't talked about in a long time. And although we try to cover this every year, I think we do, Taylor, when when the announcement comes out that the oyster recycling is open and recycle your oysters. We try to give that out on the calendar events and make sure everybody's got an idea that, hey, there is such a thing as recycle your oysters. Uh, they do have a purpose after you eat them. Um, but today we're, we're kind of... It's kind of neat. We're joined by Michael Hodges, who's a wildlife biologist with the South Carolina Department of Natural Resources in the shellfish division down there on the coast. And, uh, Michael, thank you for taking time out of your day to be with us on Woods and Water South Carolina. Would you would you take just a minute and introduce yourself to all of us? Sure. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, my name is Michael Hodges. I'm originally from middle Georgia. I moved to South Carolina after I graduated from Georgia Southern University. Started at DNR shortly thereafter uh, on the program I currently work on, and I just kind of enjoyed every minute of it and made a career out of working in the mud with oysters. 
We like Pluff Mud, don't we, Taylor? I like Mud. <laughs> I do like Pluff Mud. <laughs> we were we did a, a Thanksgiving show and we did a memory show, which is what we do. And one of my favorite one is taking Taylor at Walking Flats looking for redfish, <laughs> and uh, you know discovering the Pluff Mud and all that yep. stuff. And it's a uh, a salt marsh is a it's it's an it's amazing how much lives in a salt marsh, how many fish and animals and invertebrates and all just that's home. And I love the smell of it. I know a lot of people don't, including mom. I do. Mom, yeah. no, mom hates it. <laughs> but funny. I, my, I'm going to start you off with a good one here. I'm going to make you think. <clears throat> what do you think the first guy was thinking of when he ate an oyster? <laughs> Man, I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. I, I think the first guy was just starving to death. He was on the coast. And he saw a raccoon, and a raccoon pried that sucker open and ate the oyster. And he goes, hmm. It must be good enough for the raccoon. It keep me from starving to death because that's exactly it. It's not the most, it's not the prettiest no, item not. on the table. It's not. But, man, I tell you, over saltine cracker with a little bit of horseradish, and I don't care if they're raw, steamed, fried, or however, man, oysters are good food. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree? Yep. I, have, I would definitely agree. Uh you know, people in South Carolina have been eating oysters for, for a very long time. Yep. You know, we've got shell middens that date back on the coast uh, to the Native Americans uh, where they would deposit the shells after they consumed them. So they have been in, they've been in, in our history of this state for a very long time. Uh, most oysters, North American, I mean, do, do other countries have oysters? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We have oysters uh, worldwide. But okay. unfortunately, you know, 85% of those oysters – uh, have gone by the wayside. Okay. Um, so it is a one of the most severely impacted marine habitats on the planet. Wow. And that's true because they, they live in the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, their whole life is filtering water. And I'm with that, I'm just going to kind of turn it over to you. Um, sure. Tell us about oysters. I mean, we all love Most of us like to eat them. Uh, we all have seen them. Some of us have uh, have scars from them. Um, <laughs> but but they're, they they do an amazing job. And water quality here and uh, wherever they are, and I'm just going to turn you loose and let you tell us about oysters. Sure. Yeah, well, oysters are, you know, they're a huge part of the culture of our state. Uh, of course, they're a huge part of our seafood industry, um, and they're kind of one of the keys to the health of our estuaries, you know, where our rivers meet the ocean, you know, the rivers meet the sea, and we get that mixing, and that's where the oysters live, and, you know, they provide a huge biological uh, importance uh, to not only the health of the estuary, but also to the health of us folks that use that estuary, whether it be for recreational purposes, uh, for the seafood that it can provide. Um, it just brings us huge value and has this huge benefit. So if we take a step back and, you know, think about the oyster resource, you know, people go out and they've been harvesting oysters out of those waters uh, for, for, you know, <laughs> thousands of years. Okay. <laughs> um Commercially, uh, probably since the late 1800s, you know, that's when people really started to commercialize the oyster uh, throughout our country. Um, And we used to have a lot of canneries up and down the coast, but those canneries have closed post-World War II. Um, And so backyard oyster roast became more popular uh, by the bushel retail sales like we acquire them uh, of late. Um, That's what's driving uh, a lot of this consumption, and also the seafood restaurants that are serving oysters on the half shell. Um, but unfortunately, a lot of the shell that is produced uh, through those efforts uh, doesn't really make it back to 
back into the water. Um, but with all that um, that drives all that, we've you know seen a, a decrease in oyster populations worldwide. Um, but we're very fortunate in South Carolina to have a fairly stable oyster resource, which is great. Uh, our oyster industry has had, held steady uh, over the past three decades uh, with the amount of oysters that are coming out of the water okay. and uh, the amount of oysters that are actually going back in the water to create new oyster populations. And we, we um, actually, so we we actually at, I was, I was going to say right there, we we actually have a oyster farm, some oyster farms down in the low country now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is becoming more and more popular, the, the growing uh, oysters. Um, that's happening all over the coast okay, uh, and all over the country okay. um, and the world, for that matter. Um, and But, yeah, of late, over the past, I'd say, five, six years, uh, it has become more of an industry. Um, they can grow a really pretty delicious oyster. Okay. Um, but once you factor in the maricultured oyster and you yep. factor in the wild harvest oyster, um, you know, it's a, over a $3 million industry. Uh, and that's after you subtract all the overhead costs. So this is what wow. we call ex vessel value. Um, through the statewide value is $26 million. So oysters are number four. They've been number four uh, right now is behind shrimp, which is $9 million, fin fish, which was $7.7 million, and then crabs, which is uh, about uh, $5.7 million, just over. And then you got oysters coming in at just under $3 million. <laughs> um, our oyster industry... Its largest value was back in 2019, and it was 3.6 million. So okay. that value has decreased a little bit, but it's it's, it's above that uh, three million dollars. So there's a good bit of money that's yeah. being made yeah. off of these shellfish every year. Um, so, but aside from that economic value for that industry, you know, it's uh, our natural resources, our statewide natural resources have a huge impact uh, economically. It's over a $33 billion economy that's driven by our natural resources. This yep. was done from a study from Clemson University back in 2016. And about 44% of that, $33 billion, uh, is attributed to, like, fishing, hunting, wildlife viewing, coastal sure. tourism, commercial fishing, and the boating sector. So it's all kind of tied to water, uh, whether it be fresh water or uh, salt water or, or uh, brackish water. Sure. Yeah, but there are, there's a lot of money, you know, tied up into natural resources of, of some way. Um, over 138,000 jobs of the 200,000 jobs um, were tied to those first four. Um, so there is a huge economic benefit to having such great natural resources within our state. And we're very fortunate uh, to have so, yes. so many, you know, yeah. from the upstate, the Midlands, down to the coast, uh, all the natural resources that we have. Um, but then you come in and bring in the societal value that oysters have. You know, these oyster rows, uh, <laughs> they're becoming more and more prevalent now. You know, sure. after uh, they were a lot more prevalent, COVID hit, kind of came to a, stop, uh, a screening off. We're seeing these oyster rows uh, pop up on the weekends uh, more and more. Absolutely. Um, and there's that, that they're, they're fun. They're a communal gathering. Uh, it's fairly unique to the low country. Uh, we've introduced a lot of people to oyster roast at some conferences that we have here in South Carolina from all over the world. Okay. Like, what are you doing eating oyster like this? <laughs> um, but they, they enjoy it because it's like sure. a big party, you know? Now, um, so now, there, okay. there's a lot of different kind of values that, that oysters have yeah. uh, to us. Now, do, do you like when you, when you have an oyster roast, and this is kind of just one of those little color things that Taylor normally does, do you like them like steamed in water? Or do you like them steamed over steel under a a um, uh oh ah the, the cloth? Man, um, sure, like the more traditional method. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, well, I don't have a piece of steel, so when I <laughs> okay. eat them at home, I either eat them raw or okay. I lightly steam 
seen them. I like uh, mine kind of medium rare. I don't uh, like them steamed hard where they come out like a piece of jerky. No, I like them where they still got a little. They still the water still within sure. the shell, but it has the oyster a little bit. So you I don't like want, a kind of a medium rare. You don't want your oyster shell open when you pick it up off the table, then. Not necessarily. Uh, I got gotcha. you. Because then that means they're just kind of overcooked. Uh, that's right. Opinion. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Good. Keep going. <laughs> then, yeah, yeah, um, got about you know, where we come into play as a department and what we need to do, because we were tasked with managing the state's oyster resource uh, by our state legislature in 1986. Okay. And that's when the department became chief oyster manager. <laughs> you know, they, <laughs> they uh, gave us the responsibility of managing this, this statewide resource, uh, which previously has been managed by private entities in these uh, shucking houses. Okay. Um, and how we do that is we, of course, we have a commercial fishery where people lease beds from us, but we have state sure. shellfish grounds, public shellfish grounds, where people can go and pick oysters themselves. Um, like if you've gone down to the coast and had the pleasure of walking in Plough Mud uh, and, yes. and, and picking oysters, like yes. you mentioned earlier, um, I do encourage everyone to try that at least once. At if least you like once. Oyster, try it once so that you can truly value what it takes to, to get these things in that bag that you might go pick up from the retail, and, and you get and you oh, get well, a good and you get a, a better feel for the environment they live in, and and when you start talking about oysters, the tide's coming up, tide's going down, it it gives you a better feel for it. Yeah, and you can truly understand the value that it has because you'll see the shrimp and the fish sure. around the water and schools of fish that you can spook, you know, driving up to the shellfish yep. bed, and that then leads itself uh, into this value, this estuarine ecosystem value right. and benefits that they provide because they are critical of habitat. They're essential fish habitat. Right. Uh, they provide refuge and foraging grounds and spawning grounds to, you know, to, to numerous species. We've documented over 120 different species on oyster reefs here in South Carolina, wow. all the way down from the low-leaf, you know, mudworm, <laughs> all the way up to the charismatic macrofauna, redfish, yes. sea trout, sheephead, yes. sharks, stingrays. We've caught, you know, sea turtles uh, swimming over the oyster reef. So wow. it's this, this critical habitat that is provided by that three-dimensional structure provided by those oysters. They filter massive amounts of water. Uh, it's up to two and a half gallons of water per hour since they are a filter feeder. Uh, that's helping to improve water clarity, improve water quality, um, making our waterways more attractive for eco-based tourism and, and you know, paddle boarding and kayaking and yep. fishing and all the things that people like to do recreationally out on the water. Uh, it's removing pollutants out of the water when they're filtering, removing uh, silt, making our waters clear. And then another thing is that yep. since they are Thanks. hard, let me, let me, let me, let me, we get have run up against that break I was telling you about. Yeah. Hang on right there. When we come back, we're going to pick up right where we left off. Y'all hang on. More right. oysters on the other side with Woods and Water, South Carolina. Should we do this with him or, or let him give him the day off? Mm, I don't know. I mean, he sounds not like that. Not gonna guy. He's not gonna hang up on us. Mm, yeah, yeah. And I he's. Okay. I mean, he's from Middle Georgia. Been living in South Carolina. He ought to know who this is. Yeah. It just depends on what version of him. That's right. Which is. which side? Because okay, so we'll do it. We'll 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 put him to the test. So y'all hang on. We're gonna find out what he thinks. Um, okay. Now there's a. Michael, I hate to I hate to put you on the spot again, 
but but here on the Woods and Water Show, we have somebody new on. We have a, this little contest going between Taylor and I. That you know, who is that? Is that Hootie and the Blowfish, or is that Darren Shucker? Your your balls in your court. I'm gonna say it's Darius Rucker. That's what oh. Dang, Dad, you're falling behind on points. I'm here. way behind. I'm glad we're not <laughs> keeping an <laughs> actual tally on this. Oh, you're not? No, I'm not. Oh no, I am. Oh, you are. Yeah, you're okay. falling behind. I'm falling behind. That is a oh, win well. for me. Thank you. I do appreciate <laughs> it. It just made my week. <laughs> oh me. Uh, no, nah, and, and I was going to tell a little story about the first time oystering because everybody needs to, it doesn't in, invest you in that ecosystem and the importance of them and all. All I'm going to say is I was being really careful about, you know, knocking off the dead oysters and leaving them there and all that. And the guy behind me picking said, kept going, oh man, I broke another one. And I'm getting really, I mean, I'm like, ah, uh, nervous and trying to keep, and about the fourth time he said that, I turned around and he's eating it. And I'm like, oh, that's just not even fair. <laughs> But they were, it was January. Those oysters were cold and salty. It was right there behind uh, Lighthouse Inlet, Lighthouse Creek and all, and just, man, those oysters were good. Oh, they were good. And if you get a chance to go, go. You get dirty. You're making me hungry. You, you get dirty, and but it, you'll <laughs> love it. Uh, I'm going to turn it back over. You're talking, starting to talk about managing oysters when we got off the last segment, so pick up and carry on. Sure. Yeah, well, you know, the department is tasked with managing oysters, um, and what we do major- the majority of the time is actually put oyster shell uh, back out in the water. Uh, the reason we're doing that is because uh, baby oysters or juvenile oysters like to colonize those oyster shells. They um, Oysters are what we call broadcast spawners, so you okay. have male and female oyster. They release their gametes into the water column once the water temperature reaches uh, 20 degrees centigrade or 70 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. Um, and they go through two life stages, through two larval stages. One's a swimming stage, and it develops into what we call a setting stage, where it grows a little foot, um, starting to get big and heavy, uh, starting to develop its own shell, and it wants to settle out of the water column or settle down to the bottom of the creek bed. Um, and it's actually attracted to, there's a chemical cue in the shell hmm. that says, hey, baby oyster, come land on me. Uh, this is where you need to be. Um, so these oyster shells we put out are kind of like foundations to a house. They they ensure that these juvenile or, or larval baby oysters can set on something and have a greater chance of becoming a, an adult oyster or a true oyster. Um, so that's what the department does every year is we put out thousands and thousands of bushels uh, of oyster shell. Wow. A lot of the shell uh, comes through our oyster shell recycling program, uh, which we started back in – Early 2000s, okay. or late, ni- late 90s, 1999 is when it was infancy, um, okay. and then it, it started growing every year since. Um, we've got one of the largest oyster shell recycling programs in the country. Uh, when you look at the number of states that are involved, us being the only one in our in our program, okay. uh, there's another large one in the Chesapeake. Okay. Um, but we are a, 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 a program that recycles oyster shells from any and everywhere we can get them. Uh, All so, right. We've got oyster shell recycling drop-off locations uh, all along the coast, but we also have them up in the Midlands. Yep. Uh, we've got you know two in Columbia. We've got a, a one in Hartsville, one in Florence. There's uh, one up here in Greenville. In, we got one in Greenville. Yep. Yeah, we're growing that effort up in Greenville. We started that one. Uh, I got that one in place, I want to say, about 2016, 2017, and it's starting to really produce a, a good bit of shell for us, almost 10% yeah. of the shell that we recycle throughout our state is actually coming from Greenville now. Wow. Um, 
And so it's a place where people can that like to eat oysters because not only oysters are being consumed on the coast. People love oysters, you know, everywhere uh, in our beautiful state. Right. Uh, so we've got these oyster shell recycling drop-off locations so people can take that bushel of oysters or those, you know, dozen oyster shells or however many. We'll take any volume. Okay. So we're not that picky. All right. Um, to where they can bring those shells back to us, and then we bring them back to the coast to put out on the grounds that are open for harvest. Uh, what that does is it makes our oyster fishery uh, more – it makes it more sustainable okay. so that we can put back uh, what we are taking out. Because that's the last thing you want to do as any fishery is just take and take and take and right. not put anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly when something like this relies on such a valuable substrate or such valuable material material to land on. Uh, but we also work with restaurants. We work with caterers. Uh, we work with over uh, upwards of 70 different restaurants statewide now where we recycle shell from those restaurants. Up in Greenville, we've got an awesome team of volunteers that drive around to restaurants on a weekly basis and pick those shells up for us and take us over to the rewa facility. Uh, we've got the same volunteer teams in Beaufort. we got them in Charleston. Uh, we need to grow our volunteer team uh, or get it back up going up in Columbia. Uh, so that is something we're looking to do is grow our programs any and everywhere people would like to help us to grow. Okay. Um, because it is so valuable to get those shells back into the water. Sure. Uh, we recycled on our best year uh, just south of 35,000 bushels. Um Wow. And for those that don't might know, for reference, a bushel of oyster shells is about eight gallons, so almost two ten gallon or two five gallon buckets filled mm-hmm. up with shells. Yep. Yeah. Um, and so that's the that's the volume that we measure things in. And what we do is we put them out in one of two ways. Uh, we can get for the state shellfish beds or beds and the recreational beds. We load them up on this big barge. We put about a thousand to twelve hundred bushels on each barge load, and we go out. At high tide, and it's got this really high pressure water cannon on it, <laughs> yeah. and it, it, it blows the shells, it floats the shells over the side where we want the shells to go okay. on the intertidal banks for the area that's exposed at low tide. And then that's all we got to do. We're very fortunate with that regard. Some states got to do other stuff in the lab and these big tanks and this controlled environment to set the oysters on the shells, put those shells, spat on shells out in the water. All we got to do is just put the shells out. We're blessed, and Mother Nature does the rest for us. Uh, or we can also get the public involved with some hands-on restoration uh, where they can help us to deploy these sm- more smaller-scale reefs up and down the coast through our program, which is called SCORE, okay. the South Carolina Oyster Recycling and Enhancement Program. So it's got recycling, but it's also got that enhancement where the community can help us to uh, make our waterways uh, healthier by deploying uh, oyster reefs and also planting marsh grass. Uh, we've got a host of stewardship activities and volunteer opportunities for people to participate because not everybody wants to go lug around in the mud uh, <laughs> on, on summer, you know, summer 95, 105 sure. degrees days, building oyster beds. So, right. so we've got something for everybody. Um, our people can find out where our their closest recycling bin is by going to saltwaterfishing.sc.gov. Um, and they can also find out uh, more volunteer opportunities by going to score.dnr.sc.gov. That's right. Uh, so we got a couple of different resources out there that people can go to to find out more about oysters, find out how they can benefit uh, this oyster fishery, which is so valued in our state, and you know help us to benefit sure. the environment, which sure. we care so much about. Taylor, you may not you may not remember this, but in 2014 we went to Waddell Mariculture Center. Remember that? Al Stokes had us down. Mm-hmm. Um, we stayed out on the river house, out on the water, and uh, at the boat ramp, to the left of the boat ramp, you remember all the sacks of oysters that oh, were laid yeah. out? You remember I that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were, you know, that was, that was an oyster recycling project. Mm-hmm. 
And and I want to I want to make sure that people you hadn't hit on this, and I don't want to take it away from anything you said, but don't try to replant oysters on your own. You know, DNR are the ones that are equipped because you don't want to put them back out before they've had a chance to dry out and make sure you're not introducing anything contamination back yeah. into the fishery, right? Yeah, that's crucial. I mean, a lot of the times you will see shells that people thought they were putting them in the right place. They put them too high in the marsh grass where okay. oysters don't grow. Um, but, yeah, also if it's imported oyster shell in particular, uh, that is, by law isn't supposed to go out into the waterway uh, by anyone other than DNR or with a, with a permit. Okay. So, um, but, yeah, please uh, bring the shells back to us so that we can ensure that they go onto the appropriate uh, areas uh, so that they will have uh, a greater chance of success. Um, and, yeah, please, if you can, just recycle your shells. Uh, it, it's crucial to the health of the fishery. And that's something we are learning more and more about uh, is this, this benefit that people can help with and this community engagement and this community opportunity. Uh, so we are always looking to grow. Um, we're always looking to expand into different areas uh, of the state. Um, if you have an oyster roast, give us a call. We can tell you uh, where to take the shells. Sure. And if there's a large enough volume, you know, we might be willing to drive up and pick them up for you. So uh, we do have some thresholds and some cutoffs, but we got some volunteer teams also that we can send out and get those shells for you if you're physically unable to get those shells to the recycling bin. Because dealing with oyster shells is heavy. You know, yeah, it is. A bunch of oysters, you know, can weigh anywhere from 40 to 55 pounds. That's right. So, um, they, they can be quite tedious to lug around, so just give us a shout. Uh, we'll be happy to assist you in any way that we can. Always learn something new, Taylor. I did not know. I knew that baby oysters liked oyster shells, but I didn't know there was an attractive there. Even though the shell's essentially dead, so to speak, it, yeah, that's, it says, hey, always, come here and land here. Always learning something Always something new. Michael, I really appreciate you taking your time to be with us today. Uh, I hope people, you go to those two websites, SCORE, uh, S-C-O-R-E dot D-N-R dot S-C dot gov, and uh, the other one, the saltwaterfishing.se.gov. dot gov. Learn more about it when you have an oyster roast recycle. Michael, thank you for all your knowledge and your time, and uh, have to have you back on sometime. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, folks, hang on. We'll be back with the fourth segment, and... Uh, I don't, at this point, I don't know exactly what we're doing, Taylor. I guess we'll figure that over the break. <laughs> Y'all hang on back with more Woods and Water South going on the other side. Hard to believe this is a Van Halen song. It's a good one, though. It's called Right Now. Right Now, Taylor wants a cough drop. No, Taylor wants to go to sleep. <laughs> oh, that's not allowed. That's not a Right Now thing. I know. <laughs> ah, welcome back to Woods and Water, South Carolina. Right now, we're going to finish up the fourth segment of the show and turn you all loose. And uh, hopefully you'll be back. But uh, anyway, thanks to Michael for coming on. And, and I know that's a lot of information. Uh, not glorious like some of it is, but it's it was... Good information. It's, you know, if you want, and Tom Mulliken, head of the Governor's Floodwater Commission, talking about clean water and, and all, which we all, I mean, how we want to get there, we all we all want it, we all need it. Um, and oysters, it's amazing how much they they filter. And you have to be careful. That's why your best oyster months are ours in the wintertime, um, October, November, December. 
because they do filter water, and you don't want that water. And, and sometimes we'll have DHEC regulations come in where we have a, a lot of rainfall, and you got a lot of uh, uh, flow from the upstate, and they, you know, they're filtering a lot of stuff that in, in bulk. So you might have some moisture bed closures or some DHEC advisories about eating shellfish and all. But it's good, but man, how timely is this? Tips for enjoying fresh oysters in the R months. The fishing wire. Moorhead City, North Carolina, it's okay. Nothing says fall on the coast of North Carolina or South Carolina at the beginning of oyster season when people pull out the fire grates and steamer pots and get ready to slurp down a salty treat. <laughs> uh, but these pearls of delight need to be properly stored and chilled to ensure a healthy eating experience. Uh, the North Carolina Department of Marine Fisheries offers the following safety tips regarding oysters. Only purchase oysters from licensed dealers. These dealers are inspected and required to keep oysters under refrigeration and otherwise handle the product in a sanitary manner. If you harvest oysters for yourself, keep them shaded from the hot sun and refrigerate them as soon as possible. If you harvest them in January when it's 35 degrees, you won't have to worry about the shade. Once you have harvested... No, nah, take that back. You will. Anyway, it's cold enough. Uh, once you have harvested or purchased the oysters, keep them cold. Shell oysters need to be kept at, below, at or below 45 degrees Fahrenheit to prevent bacterial growth. Thoroughly wash the oysters prior to cooking. Now, a lot of times you can buy them, um, you know, washed or unwashed. So it's like a couple dollars difference in a bushel. So that's up to you. Uh, remove all mud and dirt from the outside of the oyster using a stiff brush and pressurized water. Store, or store oysters away from other contaminants. Oysters can become contaminated by placing them on wet floors, splashing them with dirty water, or by contact with raw fish. Prior to cooking or raw consumption, discard dead oysters. Dead oysters will have slightly gaping shells that will not close when tapped. Once cooked or roasted, oysters' shells will naturally open, which is, there again, that's the, the degree on how, how you want your oysters. It's kind of like a steak. You want them raw, mooing. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> medium rare or well done. And the well done ones are tough. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, be careful if you have a compromised immune system. They recommend you should only eat fully cooked oysters. People with liver disease, alcoholism, diabetes, cancer, stomach or blood disorders, or those on medication that weakens the immune system are at risk for potentially serious or even lethal illness from the naturally occurring bacteria and something else. I can't even pronounce those two words. Um uh, thoroughly cooking the oysters destroys Vibrio bacteria, which is in those other two things that I can't. Vibrio vulnificus. Dad, you are butchering this. Parasymp. Whatever. I'm sure you can Google that if you want a plate tongue twister. Um, to thoroughly cook oysters in the shell, either boil them in water for three to five minutes after the shell's open or steam. Oh, nasty. Oh, no, you don't want them open boiling water. No. <laughs> Horrid. Can't believe they actually publish this stuff. Um, you want you want to have to bust those shells open. You want to have to get your oyster knife in there and pry it open. So you say these are people that use big words. Maybe we should listen to them. <laughs> Shoot, no. Taste is what matters. Uh it says discard any oysters that do not open during cooking. Get out of here. Now, I, okay, I can I can almost believe that on a steel grate because they will open a little fat. But no. Oh, no. Huh? 
Oh, my oyster's closed. In fact, I'll eat my oysters raw. Thank you very much. Um, oh, they refer to the CDC website. No wonder they're cooking these things till the shells open. That's awful. Boil for at least three minutes. Fry in oil for at least three minutes. Broil three inches from heat for three minutes or bake at 450. Okay. <laughs> Man, I tell you, they are good, though. So, anyway, if you have an oyster roast this year, call me and invite me. <laughs> hey. I won't, have to, I won't bring Taylor. You just invite what? me. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. So, anyway, there was a big one in Columbia. Missed that one. We used to have one the first week in January in Charleston. I don't think that happens anymore. What was the one we used to go to when we said Goat Island? That was uh, the Put Marina. Up or Shut Up tournament. Yeah. Oh, no, that was Morgan Creek Grill. They had them every Friday night. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Morgan Creek Grill. It used to. I wonder I wonder if they're still doing it. I don't know. Because that was fun. You talk about your thing, and I'll, I'll look at Morgan Creek oh, Grill. okay. So, last week we talked about being prepared for the weather when you're going on a hunt, whether that's duck hunting, um, deer hunting, anytime. Uh, uh, what? Morgan Creek Grill is permanently closed. What? No, that's so sad. Why? Oh well, they say there's going to be a November the fifth, twenty nineteen. Has it really been that long? I guess it's been that long since we've been down there. Uh huh. We didn't go last year. Didn't go this year. So yeah, okay. Oh well, sorry about that. Morgan Creek Girl had a Friday night oyster roast every Friday night. Man, that that's sad because that's the only place to eat around there. Everybody coming off the island, that yeah. was the now only gotta, place. Now you got to go somewhere else. Or you can, you can, you can boat down to Shem Creek. True, it's just longer though. Well, it's a lot longer. What is it like? Is it thirty? Yeah, about twenty-five minutes. Yeah, and then probably from, longer with the with the mandatory no egg zone now. The new oh, one. Oh, more. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Anyway, sorry yeah, about that, no, folks. That's sad. Go ahead. That's really sad. Um. Anyway, so we talked about you know kind of being prepared and knowing that. Hypothermia can set in at 50 degrees for a human. Now, if you are a big duck hunter and you wonder about your dogs and how they handle the cold and if you ever thought about it, how to figure out if they are having symptoms of hypothermia. Um, so some things to look for for signs of hypothermia is shivering, stiff muscles, um, pale or gray gums, and body temperatures below 100 degrees Fahrenheit. And if you do notice any of these, some things you can do. Um, keep a warm blanket with you. Wrap your dog up in a warm blanket. Um, if you have a heating pad, put it on low and set it next to the dog. And check the temperature. If the if their temperature is below 98 degrees, call the vet. See what the vet has you to do. You may need to take them to the vet. But just be aware because dogs can get hypothermia too. Um, you know, it's, it's amazing because... I have duck hunted a lot with our labs, mm-hmm. starting with Allie, mm-hmm. and I never even thought. I mean, they got cold and they shivered. I mean, they're well, my goodness, Allie's tail would freeze. Well, I mean, I guess you think. I mean, they're covered in fur, so you. And it's hollow fur too. They got a lot better insulation yeah. than you and I do. Sophie, Allie's tail would it would freeze. Yep. We built blinds. We built elevated blinds up off the water, and with dog doors in the front, with you know ramps going down, so she. They could get Man, y'all were all in there. Oh yeah, yeah. We had a big duck, big duck thing going on. Um, 
But yeah, Allie, Allie, my Labrador, was 110 pounds. She was stout. I'm glad I never had to carry her out of the woods or the swamp. <laughs> um, but her tail would freeze. I mean, she'd just be shivering. Her tail would freeze solid. The minute you started blowing a duck call, she came kind of in that half crouch, and her, her tail started wagging. There were so many days I came back with bruises on my shins <laughs> from that dog. Biscuits. Tail did that too. Yeah, I remember that. I mean, Allie's tail to begin with was probably two inches in <laughs> diameter at the base, and when it froze, man, it was just like somebody hitting you with a baseball bat. <laughs> quack, 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 quack. <laughs> Allie had also another another. Did you know that if you, I mean, one or two ducks, she was bringing them back to you, but if there were two of us in a blind, she would start taking ducks to the dike. <laughs> She would take some over there and bring some back to the blind. Some over there. It was the weirdest thing. I could not call her back. I could not get her in. She just decided that we didn't need that many ducks, and she was going to take some and put them over there. She was just trying to be the one in charge. (laughs) Say something just like a woman. Did I just really say that on the air? I think you did. Oh, man. That was not good. Yeah. Dogs are great. But, yeah, take care of your dog. You know, bird dogs, man, you know, Briars works on bird dogs, and you have to watch out for snakes and labs in cold weather, you know, Boykins, Brittany's, whatever you're hunting over. Take care of your friend. Mm-hmm. Your friend. You want him to last a long time. Mm-hmm. So, well, we're not going to get to a whole much more. Crab Bank is officially, I guess we got, yeah, I got time to do this. Crab Bank is officially, the restoration project is officially over. Uh, article December the 2nd, um, 32 acres is what they have restored Crab Bank to. It looks, from this picture, it looks like they, they did not extend it any further south. Nope, to get that back, north. Because the north end is actually at Shim Creek. They, they did most of it back towards the south. Uh, 660,000 cubic yards of sediment from Charleston Harbor dredging project went into Crab Bank. Um, didn't take them long. Mid-September, about three months to do. I think that's what they said when they were on the show with us. They might take about three minutes, three months. And, uh, now we just wait. We wait for the birds to come and, uh, they, it is off, off limits during the nesting season. So just be aware of that, uh, which is March 15th through October 15th. Outside of that time frame, public access is allowed only in the intertidal zone between low and high tide water lines. Dogs and camping are prohibited year-round. All right. So congratulations. Crab Bank is uh, back. Mm-hmm. Till the next storm tears it up, and we'll have to figure it out after that. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for tuning in today. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope you're back with us next week, and then we'll have uh, Christmas and New Year's. So be here soon. Uh, as always, make time to get out there. Hit the back roads when you can. Don't forget the camera. Thanks, Squeaky, for hanging in there with me. <coughs> Y'all be Rough. careful. We'll be back next week. More Woods and Water, South Carolina. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.